a disciple is simply a follower. So we are all um, the disciples of Jesus. If we've turned from our sins and trusted in him, like that's what it means to be a Christian, a child of God, uh, that we are disciples. We're following Jesus by faith, of course, by the power of his spirit. Uh, so everybody is being discipled by by Jesus, ultimately. Uh, but that does, as you mentioned, happens in the context of community. So we are to be disciples who are making disciples. We want to help other people follow Jesus. So that's, that's basically what the Christian life is about. We're always wanting to help people follow Jesus. So it's either helping people who don't know Jesus, understand what it means to follow Jesus. So in that sense, evangelism is the is the beginning of the discipleship process. We're calling people to follow Jesus. Or for people who do know uh, Jesus, uh, how do we grow in, in maturity? How do we love him more and seek to obey all that he's commanded us in every area of our life, calling everything under his lordship? So um, yeah, so d- discipling is helping other people follow Jesus and obey him in everything. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, the show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Garrett Kell. Garrett is a pastor at Delray Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. He's also the author of How Can I Find Someone to Disciple Me from Crossway. Today, Garrett and I discuss why all Christians are called to be discipled and disciple others. He reflects on why that might look different for different people in different seasons of life. He highlights why discipling must always be a two-way street between the discipler and the disciplee. And he discusses how to know when it's time to take a break from a discipling relationship. Let's get started. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Yeah, brother, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So it's probably a cliche at this point to say that there are no Lone Ranger Christians. And I think we all, we all know, intellectually at least, that, that we are meant for community, that we need other believers to speak into our lives, to help keep us uh, following Christ with our whole hearts. And yet, I've heard many Christians over the years say that they don't think they've ever actually been discipled by a more mature believer in their life. Mm. And I wonder, do you hear that a lot? Is that something that you've experienced as well when you've talked with, with Christians? Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of people, that's that's a common experience. At least they feel that way. Um, I'm not sure if that's always the case. Uh, depends on what we mean by discipling. So I always mm. want to follow up, like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? What is it that you're looking for? So maybe ask some more questions. But it may be the case. There are some people who certainly have been walking with the Lord, who desire to grow, and for whatever reason, have just not had somebody real be intentional to pour into them and to help them to follow Jesus all the more faithful. So yeah. certainly common, yeah. Yeah. So then let's let's dig into that. What do you mean by the word discipled or to disciple somebody? Uh, what does that mean to you and when you use it? Yeah. So a, a disciple is simply a follower. So we are all... Um, the disciples of Jesus, if we've turned from our sins and trusted in him, like that's what it means to be a Christian, a child of God, uh, that we are disciples. We're following Jesus by faith, of course, by the power of his spirit. Uh, so everybody is being discipled by by Jesus, ultimately. Uh, but that does, as you mentioned, happens in the context of community. So we are to be disciples who are making disciples. We want to help other people follow Jesus. So that's that's basically what the Christian life is about. We're always wanting to help people follow Jesus. So it's either helping people who 
don't know Jesus understand what it means to follow Jesus. So in that sense, mm-hmm. evangelism is the is the beginning of the discipleship process. We're calling people to follow Jesus. Or for people who do know uh, Jesus, uh, how do we grow in, in maturity? How do we love him more and seek to obey all that he's commanded us in every area of our life, calling everything under his lordship? So um, yeah, so d- discipling is helping other people follow Jesus and obey him in everything. Mm. Yeah, it strikes me that I think all of us, there, there's kind of a Christian culture around the idea of evangelism being something that we're all called to do. And probably most of us have a constant level of maybe guilt or, and feel like we should be doing more with that. But I think it's kind of well understood that that is something that all Christians to some extent are called to do in different ways. And yeah, I wonder if that's not always the case with this idea of discipling than other mm-hmm. believers. Yep. We often view that as something that's maybe more for a specific class of Christians doesn't necessarily include me. Is, have you observed that as well? Yeah, I think that's a common misconception, right? Because uh, we should always all be helping one another follow Jesus. And this is not just for, there's no JV and varsity. There's no caste system in the, in the Christian life, in the, in the community of Christ. Uh, in the church, we are all to be helping one another follow, follow Jesus. So this is not just something for, yeah, for the, the super spiritually mature, but this is something um, that we are all aiming to do for one another all the time. Um, and I think it happens in a lot of informal ways, even just with the church gathering. I mean, we think about this strange pan- pandemic season. I think a lot of people, one of the reasons many churches and Christians are suffering, in some senses people feel stronger, and there's other senses, we're missing out on one another. Something yeah. that happens when the church gathers and we're singing together and we read the scriptures together and we're praying together, and we sit under the word together and... There's something that God uses, even in the gathering itself of the local church, that builds up one another, uh, and then the fellowship afterwards, and all of that. God, that's that's even a form of discipling. Is that we are we're all obeying Jesus in that moment, and we are seeking to help one another do the same. So we're, I mean, yeah, that that's been something I think we've we've felt that's that's even missing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I certainly agree that people have that, that um, misconception, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a helpful one. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the, the JV versus varsity distinction that is not not a biblical idea. Are there any other common misunderstandings of discipling, of what that even means that you've encountered? Um, I, I think a lot of times people feel like they have to have their life figured out before they can start helping other people. And that's just like, who, who's got it figured out? There's nobody right. but Jesus who's got it all together. So we are all imperfect people following Jesus, helping other imperfect people follow Jesus. So mm. I think there's got to be a willingness to invite others into the midst of your mess and just say, hey, listen, I don't have it all together, but I'm a beggar and I've found some bread and his name's Jesus. Let's go Let's go learn to eat together. And so I think that it requires some some humilities, some, some willingness to, um, yeah, to not be ashamed of of, of not having it all together. I, I think mm. that's a, that's a huge part of, uh, uh, of being able to yeah, be the kind of person that others can look to and, and desire to, to follow. And it's going to help, uh, it's going to help them to understand really what the gospel's for. The gospel's not for people who have it all figured out. Mm, yeah. So you, you've mentioned that discipling can often take many different forms and that even being together, uh, on a Sunday morning for corporate worship is a form of discipling that we're, ex- we're experiencing there. But is there something, a lot of times the way people use that word is to refer to a may, maybe a more one-on-one or small group kind of relationship where there's an older, more mature Christian who is kind of intentionally instructing and encouraging and building up uh, a younger Christian. 
Uh, how does that dynamic, how does that particular form of discipling relationship fit into this conversation? Yep. So I wanted to start with the other one first because I just want to not um, minimize how much good stuff God's doing in somebody's life by the regular gathering together, right? So that's why I wanted to start there. But I do think it's it's wise, it's good. Uh, we see, you know, Timothy being poured into by Paul. He needed it. He was a young believer who needed somebody like Paul to come alongside him and help him to grow, to encourage him in areas where he was timid or fearful, um, and to to be a model to say, "Hey, imitate me as I've imitated Christ." And so, yeah, I think that's I think it's a part of the Christian life. I think it's I think it's wise to seek that out. Um, I think you should pray for God to, to, to bring those sorts of relationships, pursue those sort of relationships. Um, and yeah, I think they're, I think they're vital. I think they're essential, but I think that God certainly uses them. Hmm. So then what would you say are some uh, kind of key marks of a discipling relationship where it is a, a one-on-three or, a, you know, one-to-one kind of dynamic there? Are there any kind of key markers that you would say would be important to consider and acknowledging that these relationships might look a little bit different depending on the situation. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, 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 it's all the basics. Like, so in, in the discipling relationships that, that I'm a part of what, what we're typically doing is want to, we want to pray together. Um, and, and pray about like what's really going on. Like, so even on the way over here, I was talking with another believer and we're talking about uh, some of the, the common stresses right now with some family dynamics and different uh, ministry things that are going on. And so we're praying for one another and he's giving me wisdom. Like this is a brother I look up to and he helps me. I was feeling it this morning. I was struggling. I reached mm-hmm. out to him and he helped me. He, he pointed out some wise things and then we prayed about it and asked God for help, asked for more wisdom, asked for strength. So I think it's, it's praying. Um, and praying specifically about areas that we are seeking to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and obey him in um, as it relates to the people that are around us, both believers and non-believers. Um, and then the word. So, you know, Jesus, part of the great, the great commission is to be disciples, make disciples, to teach them to obey everything I've uh, commanded you. So I think it's normal, and we talk about this at our church all the time, it's normal for Christians to sit down and open the Bible together, mm. to read it, and to say, okay, what do we see there about God? What do we see about ourselves? What does he want us to do? How are we doing that well that we can encourage each other and celebrate and praise God for the work of his spirit in our lives? And then what are the areas we need to confess to say, to be honest with you, I am I am not doing this well right now. Like I'm really struggling to be at peace with all people. I understand that, you know, it says that I must be at peace with all, all men, but like <laughs> right now I'm, I really feel like they owe me to come to me mm, yeah. and to say, okay, well, let's, let's bring that to the Lord. Let's confess that. What did Jesus do? Well, he, he sought us out. So let's, let's be, let's, let's ask God for strength to seek them out. So we want to say word, right? Prayer word. Um, and then stewardship of time of money. Um, how are we using those things? Like those are areas we don't always want to get into, but let's, let's talk about it. And then evangelism, like how, who are the people who are around you right now who don't know the Lord and how are we being intentional to invite them into our lives, to pray for them, to reach out to them, to have them in our homes when you know we're able and all these sorts of things. So I think everything that Christians are supposed to be doing, as we're doing that, we do it together, and we're, we're having people who have, yeah, maybe are, are good models uh, that we look up to, helping us to, to see where, ways that we can continue to grow. Hmm. How important is it that a discipling relationship like you've just described be a two-way street where there's kind of a, a mutual sharing and a mutual of 
bearing one another's burdens. I think sometimes people see that, but oftentimes uh, maybe we think of a discipling relationship as, well, I'm going and being served by this mentor type person. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a one-way street where I'm sharing things I'm struggling with, but maybe that never comes back the other direction. Yeah. I, I appreciate this question because this is one of the things that early on I misunderstood. Um, and I, um, I, I, can, I can get a little emotional about it because I think right now, so as a pastor, people look up to me in our church because it's, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a pastor and they're, they're encouraged to yeah. examine my faith. But I, I told the church this Sunday, we got up after singing three songs in a row about all I have is Christ, that he will hold me fast, all these songs. And I get up, I just told him, I said, I just want to first thank y'all because I look out there at all these people who are struggling with miscarriages and marriages that are hard or people who want to be married who aren't or people who are struggling with sin or people just you could fill in 10,000 blanks there Mm, and watching them keep trying to trust Jesus helps me like it helps me to keep trust in Jesus or when I sit down with uh, a a wife who was unjustly um, her husband left her and trying to take her through courts and all this kind of stuff. And I see her through tears say, I just want to trust the Lord. Like she thinks I'm helping her, but bro, like I need that. Like she helps me follow Jesus. So there's something about taking the word and helping to give it to somebody else and watching them struggling to try to obey Jesus that gives life to the person who, um, who is helping the other, the person. It's always a two way street. None of us are like exempt from needing help from one another. Yeah. Right. Do you think it's particularly difficult to receive help, even ask for help from other people as a pastor, as a leader in your church? I think it can be. I think early in my my ministry, um, I felt the need to be something that I don't think Jesus called me to be, which was the guy who, the answer man, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm not the answer man. My job, as Jared Wilson says, is a point to the answer man. His name's Jesus, you know? And um, I have learned by God's grace and through a lot of failure and pain and stuff to to just be comfortable with being a fellow child of God, you know? Yeah. I mean, I am a pastor, but I'm first a Christian. I'm a shepherd, but I'm first a sheep. And I think if we ever get over that, then we're in trouble. So... Mm. You know, by God's grace, uh, we have other elders here. All of our other elders have that same sort of mindset, and they model that well. Um, so by God's grace, you know, I surround myself with people who love me but are not impressed with me, and that really <laughs> helps me to keep humble before God's grace and, yeah. you know, and, and in, in, need, in need of Him. So, yeah, so I think for leaders, um, it's okay. I'll even, lead, I'll even start conversations with people who I'm starting to meet with. Hey, just want to be really clear. Yes, I'm your pastor, and I understand that can be intimidating for you, but I just want you to know I'm a Christian. Like, this is how I came to know Jesus. This is how I'm trusting Jesus right now. I'm going to share things with you that I need you to pray for me about. And I think there's some, you need some wisdom and discernment about how much to share and all that kind of stuff. But, but I let people in, in a way that, that I think models for them the sort of weakness that they need to be able to follow Jesus too. Because if we all just come pre- trying to pre- you know, pretend and impress one another, nobody's going to grow. That's, right. that's, that's, that's yeah, anti-discipling. So Yeah, right. I wonder if you could respond to a few common maybe objections that disciplers or disciplees might have when it comes to this idea of being intentional uh, with a di- discipling relationship in particular. So maybe the first one that is probably the most common that we might hear is, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to either disciple someone else or be discipled in this kind of intentional way. What would you say to that? Yeah, I'd say I, 
appreciate you sharing that. What do you, what do you mean? What are you doing then? What, what are you using your, your time, energy, and effort for? So I first want to evaluate, are there things that could be trimmed out? Um, are there areas that, that could be trimmed out? And then I would also say, what are ways that you can involve people in what you're already doing? So I think this is one of the biggest thing when you watch Jesus he did have sit down hey we're going to we're going to have a you know teaching time but most of the discipling is hey we're going this way let's go and people yeah, come are with going, me. so come with me so if you're going to the grocery store and there's somebody who lives nearby hey listen can I swing by pick you up we're going to go to the grocery store for a little bit or hey I'm going to go go to this place or I'm going to go I'm going to go visit somebody in the hospital you want to come with me or I'm going to whatever it may be everybody has to eat breakfast lunch and dinner so <laughs> we use so we're in the DC area where everybody's super busy and we found that using um, the the meal hours is a great time to get together everybody's got to eat anyway let's get together let's talk and the lord seems to use those so i i think seeing are there things that can be trimmed out but also how can you invite people into what you're already doing that's 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 huge yeah all right, objection number two, um, this is maybe more on the disciplers side. Uh, I'm just not spiritually mature enough or knowledgeable enough when it comes to the Bible or theology or the Christian life more generally to disciple somebody else. Yeah, um, that may be the case. I'd like to, I'd like to examine, t- tell me why, what do you mean? Um, so if they're a brand new Christian, like if they've been a Christian a week or two, then okay, maybe that is the case. But... But I would just say, again, you don't need to be an expert. Do you know, yeah, can you, can you open the Bible and read it with others? And I just think this is where invite people to grow with you. So it's rare, like, so for instance, it's rare for me to read a book by myself. If I'm about to read a book, I'm, mm. I'm usually going to reach out to three or four other people and say, hey, I'm about to read this book. Would you guys be open to reading it with me? And yeah, like just inviting people into, I just, it's, I almost never read a book by myself huh. because I, first of all, conversation partners with a book are a lot better because they're going to see things. Like, it's so much more fun. And then you can, guys can grow together. So I think the most simple of things, just inviting people in and again, just getting away from the performance mentality. And this is where I think a lot of, you know, American evangelical performance, showy, flashy stuff. It's intimidating. Like we can't do some of this stuff, but that's not what Jesus calls us to. He says, just follow me, open Mm. the word. You can, you can open the Bible with somebody else. You can read it. You could talk about what you see, how it's encouraging, what's confusing, search for answers. And that was one of the things that's helped me most grow in my, my Christian walk is having people ask questions that I don't know the answers to. And I'm like, I have no idea. That's a great question. How about this? Why don't you do a little research on it? I'll do a little research on it. Then next week, let's come back together and let's let's figure out what this what this means. And then, you know, we both try and do that. We share resources and we come back and we've both grown. So just invite others into the into the process. Mm. I mean that that just strikes me as something that really does run counter to so much of the way though that we often think about pastors in our churches and and their role uh, for for all of our talk about uh, following Jesus. Ultimately, he's our the senior pastor of this church. We nevertheless, I think it could be maybe hard for a lay Christian, but even a pastor to consider, to imagine telling somebody, I don't know. I don't actually know. Let's learn that together. Well, uh, I I mean, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. So yeah, I think this is where if uh, Imperfect Pastor by Zach S. Wine was really a liberating book for me. Um, I don't know whether it's chapters five, six, and seven or six, seven, and eight, but in there, there's three chapters where he talks about how we're not omniscient, we're not omnipresent, um, and we're not... uh, 
uh, whatever the other Omni is, but uh, <laughs> you can't know everything, be everywhere, or do everything for everybody. It was so helpful. Like, you're not God. It's, you're not a good God. You wouldn't be a good God anyway. Like, so, so just invite other people to seek God with you. And yeah, yeah I just think taking the pressure off trying to perform for one another that's that's mm. the heart of the that's the heart of the gospel uh, for for a pastor and a leader. I think is I'm I'm a fellow debtor to grace. Let's come and get some bread. Yeah, right. Maybe, maybe a last objection that we might often hear. Uh, what about the disciplee who would say, you know, I've tried it before. I've I've been in a discipling relationship, and it, for some various reason, I've been burned. Maybe uh, my confidence was broken, or like there was a trust violation there, or uh, there was even something akin to spiritual abuse of some sort. Uh, what would you say to the person like that? Yeah, I, that's real, right? Um, first, I would thank that person for even being willing to share that. Um, and I would, I would first want to encourage them to remember that God was not unfaithful to them in that. Um, and that God is the kind of God who can even use the sort of disappointments pains, um, wrong views of him that were, you know, represented in that relationship to be able to help us to hunger for him in a, in a true right way that gives life rather than steals it. So we, for whatever reason at our church seem to have a number of people who come who have some of those sorts of experiences. And so what I want to do is I want to depressurize the situation a little bit. I'd be like, Hey, listen, if you're not ready right now, I understand. One of the things I want to encourage you to do is sit and watch um, and and listen and just be fed by the word. And if there's something that you see that you don't have, you're not sure about, why do we do this? I just want you to know you have an all access pass to come to me or any of your other pastors and ask us anything. And then depending on the who the person is, sometimes I'll even say, would you be helped to come and sit at one of our elder meetings? You can just sit in the back row, like not, not, you know, talk during it or whatever, but just watch how we do stuff kind of behind the scenes and just even invite people to come in and and to see. And sometimes those sorts of things can, can, yeah, correct misconceptions. So again, Mm. if this is a a pastor meeting with somebody and doing that, that's, that's one thing, you know, other, other members, I think same sort of thing, just invite people in, just say, Hey, listen, okay, we don't need a formal relationship then in regards to discipling. Why don't you just come over to our house? And then it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a trick because that's what that is discipling. Come over, like do meal with us and like do life. And we'll talk about things that God's doing and discipling begins to happen in a way that can give life and heal some of those wounds and help them to, to, to be willing to take some maybe more formal steps afterwards. Yeah, but you don't have to jump right into this formal, rigid type of relationship. It's not a program. It's a, re- it's a relationship. I mean, there can be like, you know, set things that you do, sure, but... It's basically doing life together, looking at Jesus together, helping each other do that, confessing when we don't, and going to the throne of grace again um, all the way until we see him face to face. I've spoken with uh, a number of college students over the years who kind of testified to uh, really great experience in college, working maybe with a coll- collegiate ministry on campus where they there was a big emphasis on Bible study and prayer and discipling relationships where you're, you're meeting with a small group of other Christians and praying together and, and, and spurring one another on. And then many, many uh, college students, post-college students have testified to the fact that once they then leave and join a church, 
uh, it has often been very hard to find that kind of relationship in a church context. And that's one of the things that you emphasize in the book, that one of the best things we can do to find a discipler uh, is to join a church and be involved in a church. But what would you say to the Christian who says, I've done that, I'm in a church, but I'm still having a really hard time finding somebody to disciple me? Yeah, one of our uh, community group leaders, who's a friend of mine who comes over to the house to, to work out on Mondays, was talking to me about this very conversation that came up in their in their community group, and they're reading uh, Bonhoeffer's Life Together, and I, I can't quote exactly, but basically what they took away from it was that, you know, there's different seasons that God is doing different things. So what he did in college, you should celebrate that. But trying to replicate that in a different season of life uh, can oftentimes bring frustration because God's not doing the same thing that he was doing in that other community that he's doing mm. in your new community. Yeah. So sometimes we can have this sentimental view of like what it was like. And, and life's often very different when you're in college, you know, because time restraints, like all that kind of... It's just You're, you're it's, living together in a dorm. It's just different, right? So... Um, Typically, there is going to be that sort of letdown because it wasn't as sweet and in one sense. But I think that's where you're going to say, okay, what is God doing now and how can we embrace what he's doing now and be thankful for what he's doing now um, and, and ask him to, to make this a different kind of sweet season? Mm. Now, at the same time, um, you know, for people who aren't married, I think a lot of times coming into the church, it can be really hard, especially if, if churches are arranged um, in if they're really segregated of like okay you have the family ministry over here you got the singles over here you've got the you know older saints over here rather than saying why don't we why don't we not do that and why don't we just say hey if you're not if you're not married just come be part of our family like come over for dinner like yeah come so come live with us do whatever i mean that kind of inviting one another into the homes that's one of the things we tell new members like if you're if you're a family if um if if you're if you're married and have kids or just married and, and invite people who aren't married into your homes if you have mm. an extra bedroom like Pray about whether you have somebody live there. Um, have people in. Have people over for meals. Do stuff together. Take go on vacations together. That kind of stuff. Um, and then we encourage also people who aren't married to to be willing to enter in and to offer. Hey, listen, um, I, I'd love to help. You know, you guys put on something at your house if we could get a bunch of people together and that kind of stuff. And just do life together in a mm. way that brings down some of those walls that might you know we might create with good intention that could end up actually undermining what we're trying to accomplish in the church. Yeah. I mean, you've been a pastor to a few churches. You've been on staff at a few churches. And why do you think it is that that's so common, that we see these walls come up even within a church? They're, they're not walls of hostility necessarily, but they're sort of separating different people from different stages of life from one another, often older, more mature believers from younger believers. Uh, I think it's well-intended. There, 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 is, there is something about being able to get together with people who are facing the same sort of struggle in the same stage of life and feeling the pressures in the same way that you can gain wisdom from and encouragement from because someone does experience the same sort of thing that you're feeling. So I think it's always well intended. But we just got to remember we're not Gnostics to where you don't need experience of something to be able to help one another, right? I mean, we, we, the Lord is going to help us in the midst of that. So I think it's always well intended, but I, I just don't think that's the model of the New Testament. When you mm. read through the New Testament, they're all together doing things together. And I just, again, I, I think the more we can not segregate one another, uh, the, 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 the better. So Yeah. Another thing I've heard from a lot of kind of younger, young adult Christians 
uh, who really wanted to be discipled, who are really passionate about that, they, they see the value of that, is that uh, in almost every instance, they had to go seek that out. They had yeah. to go ask some older believer to disciple them and maybe even ask multiple people and, and really pursue it. Uh, have you noticed that as a, a trend? I, I certainly think that's that's um, a reality for, for many people. Sometimes that's because the people who would be doing the discipling are already doing that and are are full, if you will. Mm. So like last night at the end of the elders meeting, one of the guys said, hey, we've got three college students uh, who want to get discipled. Do any of you have bandwidth? And we all looked at one <laughs> another and we're like, no, but I bet we can find somebody. So then one of the guys, we say, who's going to help? And then guys, I'll help, right? So we're going to help connect them with somebody else. So it may be that people are already full, uh, and the, the people that you would typically look to. Um, but this is even where the people, when you're doing your discipling, you always want to be thinking about, okay, who of these guys that I'm pouring into might be somebody that we could connect with somebody else and always be looking to the next kind of generation of, of that. So I think having that mindset is, is going to be helpful. Um, I think there's also, the reality is that there's been a lot of, there's been a whole generation that's been trained basically, and I hate to say it this way, of come and sit and be entertained in church, and we're going to cater to you, and are the lights like you like them, and is the seat comfortable enough? Is your coffee the right temperature? Like, There's been a whole lot of that for a long time, which produces a strange sort of thing in a Christian That's mm-hmm. that, that is about me and me being catered to. So that's not going to make someone eager to be like, ooh, who can I serve? Because I've come to be served, which is... Again, not every church, and I'm not trying to throw... I love the church. I'm not trying to throw the church under the bus. But I think there's things that churches could do that don't actually help, again, Great Commission sort of ministry. So yeah. this is where it's got to be modeled. It's got to be encouraged. Um, so I think that's where actually some of the younger believers who are hungry coming to somebody and saying, hey, I need help. And then that couple being like, I don't know. We kind of feel like we don't have anything to offer. Be like, whoa, whoa, yes, you do. And you actually need them and their zeal and their hunger to spur on some of your your own growth as well. And then, again, we're helping one another on the way to heaven. So mm, Yeah, right. Uh, maybe you've kind of hit on this a little bit already, but what role should pastors and church leaders play in not just discipling others? I mean, I think we, we kind of intuitively understand that's part of uh, the calling to be a pastor or a shepherd, but also to, to cultivate a culture and even to help implement structures of discipleship in their churches where lay Christians are discipling other lay Christians. Yeah, I think the pastor's responsibility in that um, is, I mean, it's clear. We've got to be the pace, pace setters, you know, and there's lots of different ways to do it. So does it have to be programs or is there more organic ways to do it? So for instance, in, in most every sermon, when we give applications, um, which I hope are sprinkled all the way through, but we're always going to encourage like, hey, over lunch, why don't you talk about this with somebody? Ask one another this question. Uh, and you're modeling, you're teaching people how to how to do that. I think also teaching the Bible faithfully through when the church is gathered gives the sort of fodder that is going to be for conversations and for building one another up. I think you could, like for instance, in our church, we structure our community groups, um, which is what we do when we scatter. So we, we gather, we're all together, and then when we scatter, there's different groups that are meeting. We Most of those groups have questions that are sent either by me or whoever else is preaching or one of our pastoral assistants who's really gifted in putting those those kind of uh, questions together, sends them out to the community group leaders, and it's all oriented around that sermon that we've heard. How do we take this and apply it so the, the congregation is talking about these things together. Um, so I think you just need to be thoughtful. Um, and every again, every church is going to look different. 
There's some are going to be more programmatic. So, for instance, we have an evangelism training course on and during uh, an early hour before um, what you might call Sunday school. And it's a it is a it's a course. It's nine months long. Again, Rona makes everything weird, but um, it's it's it's. <laughs> when we get together and it's, it's structured and we have teaching and we have accountability and we have prayer and we have, you know, all time for testimony. And it's, it's, it's aimed to change the culture of the church where the normal thing is we're talking about our neighbors who don't know the Lord and how we're trying to reach out to them. And we're answering questions and that kind of stuff. So I do think there's areas for specifically aimed, um, programs, but we found that even out of that, what it does is, is then people are getting together and following up with one another. And it creates, like you said, a culture of like, this is in the air. This is what we do. So I think the normal, the normal experience for the Christian is we get together, we hear the word, we sing the word, we, we, we pray in light of the word. We, we see the word through the the sacraments and then we, we gather, we scatter and we help each other apply it. And then we want to help people who don't know Jesus, follow Jesus. And we just make that the, that's normal Christianity. Like, mm. I don't know whatever else is going on. Like, that's what normal Christianity is, is we want to honor the Lord privately, publicly. We want to be repenting of sin, resisting it for his glory and his pleasure and for our own pleasure and joy and helping foster that mindset. So mm. I just think that's that's what a, that's what Christians are and that's what they do. And I think the more we make that normal um, and kind of expected, I think it's I think it's better for the health of the church and everybody in it. Yeah, sometimes our language can almost subtly imply that and this is sort of like if you really want to go above and beyond, you can get involved in this way or that way. But it's sort of almost the assumption is that most of you aren't going to do that. Yeah, I, I think that is that is a way to create lazy, disobedient Christians. And we don't want to foster that. We want to foster courage and trusting the Lord and risking like this brief life that we have. We have, I mean, our... I mean, you know, we've been talking for 30 something minutes. Like we, we don't have those 30 minutes back. Like we're time is slipping away and it's, yeah. it's real. And I think urgency uh, is an important part of, of fueling the mission and realizing, listen, we, we've got to, let's go <laughs> and encourage each other. So yeah, I agree with that. As you think about your own church and your efforts and along with your fellow elders to, to create this culture of discipling in your church, uh, what is, how have you wrestled through the balance of sort of uh, just teaching on the importance of it and proclaiming the importance of it in people's lives uh, compared to then actually practically helping to set up some, you know, structures that could be in place or even uh, giving practical advice and help to get people to actually start doing it. What, what's been that balance? I think sometimes pastors can wonder, uh, do I just need to teach more about it and let it happen organically? Or uh, do I actually maybe need to, to set up some kind of uh, more practical, more on-the-ground type of helps to get people into this. Yeah, and that's where I think every church is going to be a little bit different. So I think every church is going to need to evaluate what is happening, what's working well. Are we? Do we have too many programs that people are so busy doing stuff that they don't have time to actually meet with people? Uh, if so, can we scale some things back? Or are we so you know organic and have no structure that everybody's just kind of flailing, trying to you know figure things out? So I think. F- Every church is going to do, do some some evaluation uh, of that. Some probably need to trim some things. Some maybe should should implement a, a few opportunities. And mm. I think I think just being able to run through everything that you're doing from the pulpit all the way down through every program and saying how does this create opportunity for believers to come together and help each other to grow in your relationship with with Jesus. So you know that was one of the things actually we were talking about again last night elder meeting. We should be able to draw a line from everything that we're doing to the great commission in some way, shape or form. And how are we, how is this helping that? 
Um, so yeah, I think that's that's going to be more of a specific a church specific sort of question because I don't think you can just answer that blanketly for everybody. But making sure that you're intentional with everything that you you are doing. But I do think again, putting things in your sermons, in your uh, conversations, like hey, listen, talk about this with somebody. And if you need help in figuring out how to do that, if you don't have anybody to talk to, uh, uh, with those things about, come and seek us out, and we will help mm. you find somebody. So yeah. taking the responsibility and then encouraging. So you want to take the responsibility and, and sort of you know, s- seek to provide opportunities. And, and again, every church is going to be a little different in the way that it needs to happen. But I do think that's the pastor's responsibilities. Yeah, right. So you've... Uh I'm sure been in multiple discipling relationships over the years, uh, tried to walk alongside other guys and helping them with uh, just the basics of the Christian life, but maybe even specific things that they were struggling with. Have you ever wrestled with discouragement in that relationship, in those relationships where you've you've really tried to invest in somebody and just found that it doesn't feel like they've made progress? It feels like you've been stuck uh, for maybe for months or even years. And, and if so, how have you kind of processed through that? Yeah. Yes, I have. First thing I want to do is remember how the Lord must feel dealing with me um, (laughs) and how patient he's been with me. That helps me to not grow embittered or overly frustrated, you know. Um, So I think we want to remain humble in it and remembering that everybody's different um, and there's different reasons that people grow at different rates. And that sort of charitability I think is helpful for our own heart and also for the people that we're we're pouring into because we don't want people to feel like a burden we don't want people to feel you know um, at the same time we don't want to excuse things so I think it's fine to to meet with people and I've had these conversations um, to say hey listen we've met for a while and help me understand do you feel like you're growing uh, or do you feel like this is a useful time help me understand how and then maybe it really is and they see some things you're like oh wow you're seeing all that well well, praise god we can keep at it or maybe they're like no i don't and then it may be an issue of you know what there might be somebody else that you could meet with that may just you know it's it's okay that not everybody resonates with every single person in the same way so there's some people you know if they that are going to resonate with somebody else's preaching or teaching or leadership better than mine praise god that's fine go like it's okay so maybe trying to encourage those sorts of things you just need wisdom of of when to to say you know what I think I think it's going to be a good time for us to take a break and maybe for you to try to meet with somebody else I'd be happy to connect you or maybe you just just need a break but um, you know I, I I don't see lots of of um, yeah effort right now like so if, mm. if somebody's you know if you're supposed to be reading through a book of the Bible together and they come in and be like yeah I didn't open my Bible this week and that happens for like a month and a half straight I'd be like I don't. Why did you want to get together? Like, help me understand what you do. If you just need a friend, like that's cool. But like, we talked about something else. So I think just reevaluate and not being afraid to have those hard conversations and pressing yeah. in. Um, yeah, I think um, John Newton's relationship with William Cowper uh, or Cooper, depending on how you say it, it's really an encouraging um, study. If you John Piper's uh, biography on on William Cooper uh, or Cowper. Um, is a good one to listen to the way that Newton just walked with him. He was a guy who was really struggled with depression and suicidal tendencies and all this kind of stuff. And just to watch the way that Newton stayed with him for a long time, that's been really instructive of the Mm. way that I think the Lord um, helped him to heaven through a patient, persistent sort of thing. So again, I I think we want to be careful to not just um, write people off, um, but also not be excusatory. That's where every person's going to be different and what they need. Mm. So yeah, it takes wisdom. 
Well, Garrett, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with with us and to share uh, not just kind of some principles for discipling, but even uh, offer, I think, encouragement and uh, wisdom for uh, all Christians to pursue this in their own lives, not just not just look to their pastors and their leaders, but to make this a, a central part of what it means to follow Christ in our own lives. Yeah, my, my joy, Matt, and may the Lord yeah, use, use some of this to help others do the same and pray for us. We need help. So... That was Garrett Kell on what it means to be discipled and disciple others. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, How Can I Find Someone to Disciple Me? Available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider leaving us a review? That helps us spread the news about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.